so I don't ever really know how long or where the, the line is that you don't say Happy New Year's anymore. Um, but I haven't seen you guys since last year, so Happy New Year. Hope um, this first week of 2023 year has uh, been, been good for you and your family. Um, and this is kind of what I want us to do. Uh, hopefully gets, get kicked off uh, uh, on, a good, on a good note here for us as a church. Um, and here's how I want to start um, this, this brand new teaching series. I want you to think about some of your childhood fears. Isn't that fun to think about, right? Um, just, just think about some of the things that, that just scared you or, or created fear in you as a kid. For me, I went through a phase when I was like seven or eight where I would go to bed at night and I would close my eyes and it felt like the room was growing. And I would open my eyes and the room would stop growing. It, it really, really weird. And what I would do is I'd get out of bed, I'd go try and find my parents to tell them what was going on, and they looked at me like you guys just looked at me a second ago when I said that. I was like, what are you, what? What are you talking about? So, so that and the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz just freaked me out <laughs> as a kid, right? And if I were to you know, like summarize how I felt during those moments, I, I, I'd summarize it with two words. I felt alone and I felt afraid. I was all by myself in my room, seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid, and I just, I felt alone. I felt afraid. But isn't it true it's not just seven-year-olds who feel that way? 17-year-olds feel that way. 27-year-olds, 47-year-olds, 87-year-olds can experience the feeling of being alone and afraid. You've experienced that before. So our character for today, this is what he's experiencing. Um, throughout this series, we're going to look at four different stories from the Old Testament, four different individuals um, who experienced God in new ways that, that renewed, that reignited, that refreshed their faith. Some of them, for the very first time, experienced God in new ways. Um, but our character for today, if, if you would have seen him in the moment we're getting ready to read, it, it would have looked like he was in a hurry, because he was. He had just left home about six miles to the south. Um, he was heading, by my math, about 600 miles to the north to a, uh, an area called Haran. He's trying to get there as fast as he can, as, as fast as he can as possible, uh, because he had just committed a crime, and his victim wanted him dead. His victim wanted him to be done. He, he has a few personal belongings. He has a coat for a blanket. He actually uses a, a stone for a pillow. And there in a place called Bethel, he tries to get some sleep. And as he drifts off to sleep, um, the room doesn't grow, but his vision of God does. There in that place where he's alone and he's afraid, that is the very spot where God would meet him. And, and I hope, like, I, I always want to try and hit as, as wide an audience as possible. I hope that everybody hears from God today. But if you find yourself in that place, lost, alone, afraid, here's what I would offer you today. What if that is the very spot where God wants to meet you? where he wants to reignite or renew or maybe start for the very first time a 
connection with you? What if it's in those moments where we feel alone and afraid that God meets us and we might not even recognize it? That's what our character experience is today, where God makes himself known. If you, if you find yourself in a deeply challenging or even a traumatic place today, I'm trusting God will meet you there through his word. So we're going to look at this story in three different parts. And the first part of the story we'll call the blessing. Um, our character's name is Jacob, but you need to know about Jacob's grandpa before you get to know Jacob. Jacob's grandpa is a guy by the name of Abraham. Ever heard of him? I bet you have. Um, Abraham's story starts in the very beginning pages of Scripture. Um, Genesis 12 is about where we, we, we meet Abraham. Um, he is a guy who lives in the land of Ur, uh, what we know of as modern-day Persian Gulf area. God speaks to Abraham and says, I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave everything you know, your family, your language, your tribe. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And as Abraham does this, God uh, makes him some promises because Abraham and his wife were childless. And God says, Abraham, um, just as you can't count the particles of dust on the earth, one day your descendants will be like the, dust of part the particles of dust on this earth. And, and I'm going to bless all peoples through you and your offspring. And this is an important part of, of scripture. We need to understand where it's placed because this is at the very beginning, right? Like at the very beginning of the story, this is the creation story and God creates things and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then chapter three happens and it's not good. Sin enters the story. Everything's broken, right? And in just a few chapters after that, it's hundreds if not thousands of years, but just a few chapters after that, God recruits Abraham to begin his restoration process. And God says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And he chooses him to start the process. So Abraham moves to Canaan like God asked him to. When he's old and about to die, he blesses his son, Isaac. It's almost like all the blessing that God put on Abraham, he's like passing it down to his son, Isaac. We're going to start in Genesis 27. If you have a Bible or a mobile device and you want to follow along, at this point, Isaac is an old man. Um, he is blind, um, he's getting ready to die, and um, Abraham has blessed Isaac, and Isaac is now going to call his oldest son in and bless him, and his oldest son's name is Esau. Many of you know this story, but as a reminder, Esau is a hunter, Isaac asks him to go kill something, drag it home, make him a stew, and after that, um, Isaac will bless Esau. Now, how many hunters do we have in the room today? Do we have any hunters in seconds? Okay, there's some, right? There is not one word in all of Scripture about golf. <laughs> but hunters, you have a life verse. Okay? Genesis 27.3. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. There you go. Put it on a mug, bumper sticker, whatever you got, okay? Congratulations, right? So this is what Esau does. Esau gets his equipment, he tracks out to his tree stand. This is where the story gets really interesting. Because mom overhears this conversation between Isaac and Esau. And even though moms aren't supposed to have favorites, we all know you do. His mom, his favorite, is not Esau. 
It's Jacob. And mom and Jacob come up with a plan to fool Isaac into blessing, not Esau, but blessing Jacob. That's exactly what happens. Isaac blesses Jacob. Um, Esau finds out that this has happened, and he decides right then and there, when dad dies, Jacob dies. Biblical family right here, ladies and gentlemen, right? This is why Jacob is running. This is why he's putting as many miles behind him as fast as he can, coat for a blanket, stone for a pillow, alone and afraid. And and I'd have all kinds of questions if I were Jacob in this moment. Like, um, how fast is Esau going? By the way, Esau's not chasing him, but he doesn't know that. When do I, what, what happens when I run out of food? Will I ever see my family again? All kinds of questions. These are the kinds of questions he's asking. I'm sure, I don't have it in scripture, but I'm sure as Jacob is laying there trying to go to bed at night that he's, that he's pondering, which brings us to the second part of the story. We'll call this part the dream. Um, Jacob drifts off to sleep, coat for a blanket, stone for a pillow, has this wild vivid dream. This is Genesis 28. I'm going to start in verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Jacob, I'm your grandpa's God who I blessed, and I asked to move to a land far away. I'm your father's God, and you can just see Jacob's wheels spinning. He's like, this is what's coming next. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants, Jacob, will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Does that sound familiar? The blessing that God placed on Abraham, that passed down to Isaac that skipped Esau is now being placed and reinstated here on Jacob. In verse 15, God gives Jacob four, um, four clauses, four statements. I am with you. I will watch over you. I will bring you back. I will not leave you. Jacob, as you run, I am with you. Jacob, I will watch over you wherever you go. I'm actually going to bring you back to this place. So yes, you will see your family again. And all of these things, they're all going to be happy. They're going to happen. I'm not going to leave you until these promises come true. Does it bother anybody else that God gives these blessings to a crook? <laughs> There's no other way to, to describe him. He's a crook. He's a con. He's a liar. If I didn't know the end of the story, I would think God has a terrible judge of character. Why in the world does he promise Jacob these things after what he's just done? The answer is because it's not about Jacob. Actually, you and I were included in some of the promises that God gave Jacob. Did you see it? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. We just remembered one of Jacob's descendants. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you 
and your descendants. God's blessing for Jacob was not just about Jacob. And again, you have to understand how early this happens in the Bible. It's the very first book, very beginning. And just as God recruited Abraham, God is now recruiting Jacob into this grand restoration project. It's not just about Jacob. This is going to echo. It's going to ripple way, way beyond him. So I thought a great place to start for 2023 would just for us, for, would be for us to get this in our heads. So we're going to say four words out loud together. All right? And here are the four words. Not just about me. You ready? There was a groan there. <laughs> We're going to say it anyway. Here we go. Not just about me. Some of you didn't say it. <laughs> say it again. Not just about me. It's not. It's not. Any, any blessing that God bestows on you, any grace he pours into your life, any kind of spiritual growth or movement towards God, like your faith, it's not just about you. The moments where you feel lost, alone, and afraid, and God meets you in that place, don't make the mistake of thinking it's just about you. Because it's not. It's not just about you. That personal anger, that personal grief, disruption, tragedy, whatever it is, when God moves towards us with grace, with forgiveness, with comfort, it's not just about me. Thousands of years later, Jacob is long gone. The Apostle Paul writes to Christians in the city of Corinth. And this is what he tells them. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Say these next two words with me. So that. Why does God do that, Tim? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God's personal comfort to you. Sometimes his intimate comfort for you. I've experienced it isn't supposed to stop with you. It's not supposed to stop there. We receive comfort from God so we can be comforters to others. So once again, my spiritual growth, God's specific activity in my life, it's not just about me. Let's think about it in terms of households, all right? This is how Abraham would have heard this. This is how Jacob and Isaac would have heard this. Um, if God blesses your household with any kind of health, with any kind of healing, with any kind of prosperity, with any kind of dream job, if God blesses you with any of that and you say, God, thank you so much for blessing me. You're so good. God's going to go, yes, I am. But it's not just for you. It's also about them. It's also about your neighbor. It's also about the people directly behind you. you the, 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 the blessings that you have at work the promotion, the raise, the, the, the whatever it is, if God blesses you with anything, it's not just about you. It's also for the guy in the next cubicle over who keeps stealing your stapler. <laughs> it's not just about me. And I know I'm pushing on this kind of hard <laughs> because this vision of our faith God's grace, God's blessing in our life, rippling into the lives of other people. It's just a bigger, better vision. 
It's actually, and frankly, it's a more biblical vision than God, thank you so much for blessing me, 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 me. It's so much bigger. It's not just about me. It's great. If God shows up in, in times that you're alone and you're afraid, but, but friends, we are not big enough. We're not important enough. It's just not about us. It's, it's, it's about so much more. And I don't know what God is or isn't doing in your life right now, what he's failing to do that you want him to do. But what if January 2023, what if God started something in you that rippled into the lives of your grandchildren? What if he were to renew something in you? Maybe marriage isn't even on your radar. You're like 12. It's like, what? Like, you don't even care about having kids right now. But what if God started something right now that, that echoed into the lives of your ancestors? See, that's a bigger vision. It's a better vision than thank you, God, for blessing me. When the blessing of God comes in good times or bad, it's intended to ripple into the lives of others. It wasn't just about Jacob. And in the same way, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not just about us. Which brings us to part three of the story. And we'll call this part the stone. How do you respond when you have a dream like that? And you say, Tim, I've never had a dream like that, so I have no idea. Well, neither have I. But Jacob wakes up and he goes, wow, this God was in this place and I didn't even know it. Like when I laid my head on that stone last night, I had no idea this was a place where God visits. Look at what he says when he wakes up. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. J Jacob had believed he found a portal to the other side, right? He calls the place Bethel. You already heard Pastor Jim say this. Beth is house. El is Elohim or God. House of God. Jacob names this place the house of God because he believed this is where God, this, this, it's this portal between heaven and earth. And, and the staircase vision, the staircase imagery in the dream, that would have been, it would have connected deeply with Jacob. It would have connected deeply with anybody in that day because when you found a place that you believed was a staircase between heaven and earth, you would build something there, okay? This is from 4,000 years ago. This is in a place, this is in Iraq. If I'm pronouncing it correct, it's a ziggurat, right? 4,000 years old, somebody obviously believed this spot was a spot where heaven and earth met. So they built what? A staircase. And we're only seeing the bottom portion of it. Here's an artist's rendition of what it originally looked like. Huge. Huge. Just massive. This is a place where the priests would go as high as he possibly could to meet with the gods, come back down to the people. Ancient um, temples were built in places where people believed that this is, this is where the gods come down to visit with man. So I'm going to show you something. Fast forward to the time of Jesus. He's recruiting new followers to follow him. He gets a guy named Philip to start following him. Philip goes and finds his friend Nathaniel. Says, Nathaniel, I think I found the one the scriptures prophesied about the Messiah. His name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth. And Philip's excited, and Nathaniel just throws a big old bucket of water on him. 
He says, Nazareth? That place is in the sticks, dude. Like, what good can come from Nazareth? And Philip just says, you just got to come and see. Just come and see for yourself. And in this conversation that Jesus and Nathaniel have, here's one of the things that Jesus says to Nathaniel. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Sound familiar? Jesus is referring to Jacob's dream. Any Jew would have known exactly what he was referring to. He's saying to Nathaniel and anybody else there listening, I'm the portal. I'm the stairway. I'm, I'm where heaven and earth meet, Nathan. I'm, I'm the place where God comes down to meet with man. I'm the gate. He would later go on to say, I am the way. Jacob isn't going to build a temple there because he's on the run, but he does set up a monument. Verse 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, so his stone pillow, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. So he's anointing this as a sacred space. And then Jacob, you can read it for yourself. Jacob makes a vow. And this is where it becomes personal for Jacob. Because Jacob says, okay, grandpa's God. If you're with me, like you say you're going to be with me. If my brother doesn't kill me. If you provide for me all wherever I'm going. If, if I come back to this place you've promised I will build on this exact spot an altar to you and I will worship you as my God, not just grandpa's God. And sure enough, grandpa's God is with Jacob. He, wakes, he, he makes it all the way up north to the area where his mom's relatives are. He locates them. He actually discovers <laughs> what it's like to be on the other side of a, of a con because his uncle is twice the cheat that he was. It's like, okay, I see where mom gets it. Kind of runs in the family, right? And over the period of 20 years, his family grows. God blesses him over and over and over until he decides to go home to face his brother and to, to, to reunite. And if you look at Genesis 35, this is seven chapters of story later, seven chapters of history later, probably about 30 years. Jacob experiences this at Bethel. He calls his family together, and here's what he says. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who has answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I've gone. In other words, God made a promise back then. He kept it. Promise made, promise kept. This is, this is where the God of Abraham becomes the God of Jacob. This is, this is, it's no longer just grandpa's God. It's his God. Something was, was ignited. Something was started 30 years before. And here it's being renewed. It's being reignited. It's being, remember, it's no longer starter faith, Jacob. This is a more mature Faith after decades observing God's faithfulness and promise keeping. Jacob is making good on his vow. So let's go back to the place where we started. It's oftentimes 
in that place of feeling alone and lost and afraid, maybe because of something we've done. You were the con. You were the liar. But maybe it's because of something that was done to you. you something outside of your control. It's oftentimes in that place where God meets us. It's that very spot where he invites us into his grand restoration process. And he'll be there with you. He will meet you. Psalm says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He will comfort. He will bless. But please, please never forget. It's not just about you. I think a powerful four-word prayer to pray, a simple prayer, a starter prayer, but maybe, maybe the prayer some of us need, not next week, not next month. You need this right now, where you sit, where you're watching this from. Very simple prayer. Four words, dear God, please meet me here. Please meet me here. The spot where you feel alone, the spot you feel afraid, you invite him to begin a work in you that will ripple out into the lives of your ancestors. Invite him to begin something in you, not just so he can work in you, but so he can work through you. Even, <laughs> even if you can identify with Jacob as a con and a liar. If he isn't already, I want the God of Abraham to become your God. Better yet, he wants to be your God. Not the God of your grandparents. Not the God of your parents. Not the God of your childhood. He wants to be your God right here. And one of the best ways to get to know him as your God is to spend time through his word with him. You will never, please don't miss this, you will never get to know God apart from his word. Ever. Spend time in his word. And if you don't have a plan for that, I'm going to take away your excuse. This is a devotional that we put together five days a week. It's going to track along with our series. It'll help you to dig a little bit deeper into the stories from each week, but it'll get you into God's word. We have, we have hard copy versions here at the church. Our connection team is going to hand these out at the doors as you leave. There's also a version on the Church Center app if you want it electronically. But if you don't have a plan to spend time with God through his word, this month, I hope I just took away that excuse. We want you to spend time in God's word. I don't want you to spend time in God's word because I get a raise if you do. I want you to spend time in God's word so you get to know him and so that he gets to know you. My prayer for us, my prayer for me, my prayer for you as we jump into a new year together is that God will meet us here, wherever, that, wherever we are. God, would you meet us here? And we have no idea. This is the scariest thing about starting a new year. You have no idea what's going to happen over the next 12 months of your life. 
You have no idea. But here we are right now. And I pray that he'll open your eyes to the reality that anything he does for you and in you is not just about you, that you're blessed to be a blessing, that you're comforted to be a comforter, that you're saved to serve, that you're forgiven to forgive. Because I, I know I've said, it, I've said it enough, so this is my last time. It's not just about you. It's a bigger vision. It's just a better version, better vision of faith than simply saying, God, thank you for blessing me. So as we start a new year, I hope you leave knowing in your heart, huh, this isn't just about me. God wants to do something that will ripple into the lives of my kids, 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 because that's how good he is. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this multi-generational truth. It's true for Jacob, it's true for us, but, but for us, we're on the other side of Jesus. We can look back and we can see who he was, who he is, what he's promised to do. God, would you just ingrain this in our minds? Every time that we open our hands and you fill it, that you've filled it not just for us, but for those around us. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what you have just said and the courage to walk out of this place and to do it. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week, story of Joshua. Don't miss it. See y'all. Have a good week.